0: Welcome to a new episode of the India Independent Films Podcast. Uh, We are back after a while. This is Rahul Desai. I am a film critic for Film Companion. I have with me my friend and uh, uh, the Mint Lounge critic Uday Bhartia. We, as is normally the case when me and Uday unite, we are going to be discussing something um, either sports film or sports documentary. Fortunately, we do have something very interesting to discuss this week. Uh, both then we reviewed um, the recent Z5 original, the a very rare Indian documentary series, uh, sports documentary series called Breakpoint. Um, it's directed by uh, Nitesh Tiwari and Ashwini Ayer Tiwari, who, as we know, are uh, Hindi film directors who've also directed sports films of their own popular sports film, which we'll get to later. Um, uh, Breakpoint is about um, probably the most... Uh, um, popular and uh, the most famous uh, 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 non-cricket Indian athletes uh, in in sports history, Leander Pesan Bhupati. Uh, It's mostly about their their legacy, about their divorce, eventual divorce, and uh, what's very interesting about the documentary series, which we will get into, I think, what, it was seven episodes? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, seven episodes or so. We will get into it. The most interesting part of it, of course, were the two personalities involved. But uh, what I found fascinating was the way the documentary was sort of designed and made. And it was not hagiographic as we tend to often see of, you know, biographical documentaries or fictionalized versions of uh, uh, sports stars over the years. So, uh, Uday, let's get to... You reviewed it, uh, I think, a week uh, later after, you know, the hype died down a bit, as usual. And uh, I'm I'm guessing you got also a better perspective of uh, the documentary eventually. Uh, before we get into the, you know, discussing the film itself, uh, the series itself, um, I want to know how invested you were in the Lee Hesh legacy back in the 90s. Since both of us were 90s kids, we were cricket fans mainly. Uh, um, But um, I wanted to know your uh, particular relationship with that, um, with the Leander uh, Pace-Bhupati legacy. Uh,
1: I'd I'd like to first mention that this is an act of great courage on my part to come on a podcast uh, with uh, Rahul and talk about tennis. (laughs) <laughs> because uh, for any listeners who don't know, uh, Rahul is a, a very, very dedicated follower of tennis and I am perhaps what you would call a lapsed tennis watcher. I'm one of those irritating people who sort of start tuning in when the quarterfinals of Grand Slams are happening. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> it's uh, I, I will probably make a bunch of <clears throat> factual errors before this uh, episode is over. Uh, a, a, about Lehesh, actually, it's interesting because I was watching a lot more tennis uh, at that time. Like as a kid, I was watching perhaps more tennis than, uh, than cricket. Uh, Even at that time. Mm -hmm. So it was weird for me because uh, I was actually recognizing the names of a lot of uh, random players, like not only the famous ones like Pat Rafter or someone, but, you know, uh, Jonas Bjorkman or uh, Fabrice Santoro or Jeff Tarango. I was yeah. like, oh, man, I remember Jeff Tarango. He was arguing with the umpire in this one match and his his wife slapped the referee <laughs> or something yeah. like that. And uh, I, so that actually took me back uh, to those days. So, yeah, Lee Hesh was actually uh, very exciting, obviously, for any Indian tennis watcher at that time to see uh, people, you know, from here succeed and not only succeed, but succeed in the way that they did and play the brand of like exciting tennis that they did of course you know so it was a very big deal uh, at that time for me also personally
0: yeah I mean you know for me it was kind of the opposite in the sense I did not watch a lot of tennis in the 90s I became this crazy tennis nut from 2002 onward um, which was basically the end of my teenage years and the end of the Sampras era and the end of you know uh, a lot of you know the all the graphs and the uh, and 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 the and the tennis stars that came before i you know i had a very superficial sort of knowledge of and i was say more of a lapsed tennis fan back then as you are now i used to tune in during the semis of grand slams and start watching uh, the rest <laughs> of the tournament so so my even my knowledge of leander pace and mnihpati see first of all leander pace for me was the alpha sort of athlete, uh, non-cricket Indian athlete of that of the 90s, mostly because for me, it was second-hand information all the time. Uh, I I remember being most familiar with Leander Pace during 1996 Olympics when he won the bronze medal in singles Mm -hmm. that And he beat some big players on the way there. Um, That's when I remember because I think I was in 5th standard or 4th standard, I'm not sure. Uh, We were asked to sort of... uh, paint or draw sketch tributes to Leander Pace because it was the first (laughs) individual medalist in God knows how long, which is always the case with Indian athletes. And, and, you know, so that was my first impression of Leander Pace. I thought, okay, we have a singles superstar in tennis who can maybe stand up to Sampras and Agassi because he had beaten Sampras and we knew that he had had some big results over those years. And his primary ambitions back then were was to be a singles player as even he mentioned in the documentary till right. he started getting success on the double circuit so so, so that was mainly my so when the whole leander pares mahesh Pupati thing started uh, you know towards the mid 90s um i of course i i was not so invested in tennis back then but uh, naturally to see indians do well in a non cricket sport uh, yeah, and Indians not named Tendulkar or, you know, whatever. It, it it used to be a big deal. And 99, of course, was the peak for them. And and that's when I think all our collective awareness of tennis as a sport sort of peaked. Uh, mm. And, you know, it was mostly... The, uh, even for me, it was, you know, I, I had a very sort of uh, surface level sort of knowledge of their results and how they sort of advanced in their career. And I remember being utterly disappointed when the conflicts began, when that whole, when the sort of, uh, when they started to break up very slowly over the next uh, three or four years. I remember being just bitterly disappointed most of the time and being absolutely disillusioned from tennis because I was like, this is the one time we have become, we we did sort of groom homegrown stars to, you know, to world domination. And, you know, egos are sort of ruining the whole thing. So, of course, none of us knew the details. I never knew the details. And most of us used to basically trade in gossip without any sort of first-hand information or any sort of reportage to read on. Uh, You know, I I sort of formed my impression of them as this, um, uh, you know, as, as this sort of fame getting to their head sort of thing because as children, we tend to have a very one-dimensional uh, understanding of how sports fame works and how how talent works, uh, you, you know, at the highest level. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't have some very intimate memories of following particular Grand Slams. For example, when they reach all the four Grand Slam finals in 99, I don't think I watched even one of them live. Um, but But, you know, my sort of learning of them sort of obviously increased over the years as uh, my sort of um, following of tennis increased after 2003. Unfortunately, that's when they stopped being a couple. Uh, They stopped being the team that they were, the uh, world-beating team that they were, and they started playing with different partners. So, for for a long time, my memory of both of them were with different partners. I remember Max Mirny being a very popular name, uh, being one of their partners, uh, Leander Pace, uh, partnering everyone from uh, Martina Hingis to Martina Navratilova uh, in mixed doubles over the years, which was bizarre because these were the icons we had grown up with sort of hearing, uh, you know, all these female sports stars and as well as the double specialists. I remember in the 90s, my favorite doubles pair were the Woodies, who feature very heavily in the doc- in this documentary series too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. the, both the Australians and it was lovely to see both of them you know give their two pesa on how double sparings works and the psychology of sort of world beating so so for me it wasn't this doctor watching this documentary wasn't so much a jog down memory lane as such it was actually uh shedding a fair bit of light on what I may have missed out uh while, while following the sport very superficially back then and uh, it was particularly so for me it wasn't really Uh, Like, you know, okay, I have a certain uh, a lot of twists and turns and a lot of tournaments that are covered in the episodes of this documentary for me actually occur as real time drama because I actually didn't know what happened in those tournaments or whether they were a turning point in the career. I never used to follow the newspapers then. So I didn't know of the conflicts that were playing out in the dressing room with both their coaches. Uh, with with both their fathers, with both their sets of parents. so for, mm-hmm. uh, you know for a lot of th- this was new knowledge to me through the I, I guess that added to my sense of what was playing out and that's why I ended up liking the documentary so much despite a few limitations and all which we'll get to. Uh, but yeah, com- coming to the documentary series itself,'m um, I'm, I'm sort of quite surprised by the reception that this got because I, I did not see a lot of negative reviews in the last few weeks. And right. that's very, as you know very well, that is very uh, unusual <coughs> for a biographical documentary series. But uh, uh, say, and that to such a high-profile thing, which has played over in the media for years and for decades, over and over again from both sides in different forms. And uh, for for two mainstream Bollywood directors to sort of uh, deep dive into this very popular legacy, and then still come out with something fairly honorable, says, actually says quite a lot about the filmmaking itself. Uh,
1: you know, I mean, it's it's unusual that it got the reviews, but I think that's only because everyone went in thinking, oh, this is going to be like another hagiography, uh, <laughs> and yeah. it's just going to be like uh, completely, um, you know, whitewash the whole split. And I I mean, I thought he was, you know, Nitesh was going to go all dangal on it and like bring in an evil coach or, you know, some uh, some physio or some other player and shift the blame on them.
0: Yeah, they almost Um, did that with Rico.
1: It, it was, it, it was feeling like that with Rico and in the, 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 uh, the, uh, last episode where there is, uh, there's another coach who, who didn't want, uh, who asked Bhopati to get a physical and, uh, Bhupati didn't want to do that. And so it, it looked like it was going in that direction there, but they, they just about stopped themselves doing that. And, um. I mean, as, as you wrote, uh, and I did in, in, in my, um, in, in our reviews that it, it, it does have the, um, the feel of a, of a relationship, uh, drama, the, mm. the whole, uh, series. It, it, so, and and very uh, you know just just the the way that both of them are are interviewed separately about the same thing yeah. and uh, their uh, responses are sort of sometimes they're uh, clashing sometimes they're the same thing and uh, I thought that was done uh, very well and uh, I, I liked what you had written that I that you expected that there would be like a dramatic reveal that yeah. they're actually in the same room. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it it does have that quality though uh, uh, and at, at times i actually felt like uh, i was watching a rally when yeah. they speed up the editing and and the responses are coming really quickly uh, yeah. it's it's almost like they're uh, they're you know volleying uh, uh, yeah. past each other yeah uh, so I, I thought that uh, the the series was uh, deservedly praised for for uh, for a fairly honest treatment of, of a sporting story, which is absolutely rare uh, in India, we don't get much uh, sporting nonfiction out here, uh, which is a pity. Uh, we get mostly fiction, fictionalized biopics, and mm. uh, those are nearly always uh, dishonest or pandering in some way or the other. So this was a, quite a refreshing change.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that's that's actually a great point about the treatment of, you know, the, the interviews. And because, you know, so much of this documentary is verbal. The footage is actually lesser than most other documentaries. Most other sports documentaries we might have seen about, you know, these 90s sports stars and legends and whatever. Uh, because so much of the documentary plays out through the interviews, through the talking heads, through the stories of uh, both sides, so to say uh, of, you know, Leander Pace and Mahesh Bhupati, both their sides, both their parents, both their coaches, their camps. Uh, so that, that whole thing about you mentioned about a rally was spot on because, uh, you know, it's, first of all, it's rare, as you said, you know, that you, you were getting sort of a non-fiction documentary, but I found it particularly fascinating that they went all out with this whole very dramatic sort of, treatment of most episodes you know of, of the way they went about the interviews uh, the way they went about the background score the editing you know it was it was far from subtle and for some reason it sort of fit in more than I, I'd say most documentaries of this nature and and <laughs> I like the fact that you know um, first of all I, I was worried that it would be a gimmick that okay a married couple is you know sort of Uh, making a documentary about a divorce. So maybe that may not work out as uh, well as it looks on paper because, you know, as we know, it's one thing sort of uh, coming from a certain headspace and it's another totally sort of delving into what is essentially not a marriage, but at the same time, you know, uh, one of India's most famous divorces. So I, I just thought that, that may not have come through, but eventually, I, I felt like uh, that particular tone that they did use, the the whatever they brought to the table from their own sort of uh, you know personal relationship, the both the filmmakers uh, seems to have worked in favor of uh, of the way they presented both the stars, and um, I, I I I found it very uh, sort of engaging that they did not. Uh, make it a he said, she said sort of thing throughout, you know, because see, most of the stuff that Leander Pace and Mahesh Bhupati say throughout the documentary I think is already public knowledge in, in in a very vague sense because a lot of it was covered as it was happening and a lot of it a lot has been written about them over the years, even after 2006, which is after the time frame of the documentary, where, where both of them had success with respective partners. And they had so many Davis Cup controversies after that too. And there were villains and heroes in each of those narrators. Mostly Pace was the villain, as we know. And and, and the thing is, they presented both Pace and Bhupati in the series as people sort of re- really just having their say and leaving it up to the viewer to sort of judge them for the way they present themselves on camera and I found that very fascinating because it's not about what they say as such because it's more about them revealing their personalities and in the process their little flaws their little sort of idiosyncrasies their their little so it's almost like we are mapping a story as to why they might have triggered each other uh, say 20 years ago or why their personality is sort of rubbed off on each other in a wrong way after a certain period of time. I, I You know, I, I like the fact that they highlighted uh, that it was a very emotionally Indian story of them over-investing themselves into each other's lives as doubles players should not be as the woodies. Uh, one of yeah. the, I think Woodbridge mentioned that, uh, you know, we used to be, uh, as soon as we left the court, we had separate lives. And here, the Leander Pace and Mahesh Bupari, like we we were like brothers and we lived together and we went on double dates. And we, basically, <laughs> there were no limits. And that's such an Indian thing to do. And that's that's such a uh, cultural uh, sort of tidbit that uh, we got out of there. And, we, you know, th- to, to see that particular approach implode. Uh, that that same approach that took them to the top of the sport uh, uh, sort of imploded over the years. I found that very enduring to uh, uh, to watch because you know I found myself really judging the way Leander Pace, um, for example, gave his interview on, on so many things in the documentary. I found it very uh, I found it very fascinating. You know the, this very stoic sort of uh, contrast that Mahesh Bhupati brought to it. And I, I did you did you also find the I, I don't know about, you know, how how you felt about Bhupati as such, but uh, the way Pace sort of really spoke on camera for me really stood out because for me it was like watching a fictional film, a fictional character deliver dialogue most of the time. And it's almost, I, I, it's rare to first of all see athletes so uh, so in control of the camera that's sort of uh, presenting yeah. them. Uh, but at the same time, him having a sense of timing, a sense of drama while, while mentioning every... Uh, memory uh, uh, of a particular tournament. I found that really fascinating, and for me, that really pulled that that really carried through. That carried me through the documentary too.
1: Absolutely, it pays. Uh, <laughs> the, the, his uh, his delivery of certain lines is is better than a lot of star kids. <laughs> Uh, nowadays he's he's really good in some scenes. Like you, you have to wonder like did he like uh, did he practice a bit and uh, sort of keep what I'm going to say and stuff. He's uh, he he does it really well, and um, it's in it's just interesting to just see the contrast even after all these years of how uh, how immediately apparent it is how different they are uh, the two of them. And uh, just not only their games, which, you know, pays also talks about how they complemented each other, that he's, he, he was like, I'm quick at the net, mm-hmm. I have a good forehand, I don't have a good serve, Bupati has a great serve, he's tall, he's not so quick, he has a good backhand. And, you know, we just about made one functional, uh, you know, doubles team. Uh, and actually, that's something I wanted to ask you a little later. Maybe we can come to that and you can talk about how, you know, singles and doubles tennis are very different beasts and how, you know, you may be a great singles player, may not translate to doubles and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, just uh, with their personalities, it was uh, <clears throat> it was so interesting because uh, Bhupati, you, you get the feeling that he was saying just about enough for uh, the Tiwaris to get like enough footage uh, yeah. and Pace they probably had like uh, <laughs> five or six takes to choose from and they could uh, they had to discard a lot of the stuff that he's saying because pays is just so uh, you know often very eloquent yeah. and uh, really invested like you, you you feel like he's still very emotionally caught up in the thing and uh, Bhupati is just very economical, very precise. Uh, I Kind of like his game also, which is not very expansive. It's not very flowery. It's very functional. And his speaking is also like that. Uh, I found one thing that Pace said very touching. Um, uh, that uh, he, he said that uh, 98 uh, was my best year with Mahesh, uh, even though we didn't really win uh, anything. Uh, they started winning the Grand Slams in 99, which was their uh, breakthrough year uh, when they reached all the four Grand Slam finals. But he said that 98 uh, you know we were on the way up and uh, you know we we were playing really well and 99 even though we won a bunch of stuff, uh, things started to go wrong in our relationship. So I, I like 98 better. I thought that was a very uh, uh, that that sort of captured, I thought, the series in in one confession. I
0: yeah, I yeah, I, I actually I was moved by most of what Leander was saying because, of course, his eyes were very vaguely glassy throughout the documentary, almost like he was <laughs> watching yeah. as he was speaking, and it it was bizarre because I've seen him act. In in, Radha, in Express, which is a terrible film, and he was a terrible. It was a terrible performance in that film too. But uh, man, he's magnetic uh, in in this in this documentary. And it, as you said, you know the Tewaris didn't have to do much because of him. All they had to do is add that you know annoying electric guitar riff at the end of every episode, or uh, at the beginning of every you know very uh, very iconic tournament that they won. And, and the viewer immediately knows where they stand in context of, you know, their relationship and the marriage that's on. And, uh, yeah, so it, it's just that aura that even Pace speaks of that, you know, as, an, as a world-beating athlete, you have to have that aura. I found that really intriguing, you know, because he's talking of the aura that uh, we grew up seeing with a lot of singles uh, sport, uh, tennis stars, you know, like... Uh, um, people like Agassiz, people like uh, with the, the more extravagant ones like McEnroe and uh, uh, and Connors, and a lot of the American stars that you know that we, we, we kept talk, uh, sort of talking about it in terms of style and extravagance. But it is really this aura that they had because Sampras was still a very Bhupati kind of personality. And uh, I think a lot of people took to Sampras because he was more of an antidote to the flashiness that we associate with brilliance on a tennis court. Uh, Till then, that's, that's what the case was. And to see Leander being an Indian... Uh, it was it was like, you know, seeing someone like Ganguly come up a decade later and mm. taking the Australians game to the Australians with their personality and their attitude. So I think to,
1: that's, uh, if I can just interrupt you there, because that's in, uh, you know, if we have to remember this is like 97, 98, 99. Our cricketers weren't playing with that kind of aggression. Yeah. So even though, you know, we were a cricket watching nation, we were still starved of that. NatWest was still a couple of years in the future. All that, uh, you know, all the aggression that, you know, the Zahirs and Harbhajan and and Ganguly with the shirt and all, that that's all in the future. Right now, we are still in that slightly, you know, we will lose series kind of mentality, even though we were beating Australia and India, which was fine, but we were definitely not beating them in Australia. And uh, so, you know, this was... I think the kind of attitude uh, which these uh, Leander and Mahesh showed with their uh, with their yelling and, and those chest bumps and all, I, I think that's what we wanted to see from our cricketers then. Of course, we see a bit too much of it now. So, <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> so we've gotten over that.
0: But at that time, we were really starved for that. Yeah, no, totally. And and yeah, you're right. It's it's an overkill right now. But people don't exactly realize how starved we were of that attitude in the 90s. We had never seen it, basically. Like, kids like us growing up and all thought, like, you know, watching Srinath really bowl and get crammed all over the ground and just looking <laughs> at the batsman in, in this very subservient sort of expression. I thought that was as aggressive as we got on a field, you know. So to see these guys do chest bumps and I, I, and I like the fact that the documentary got into that whole little, nice little banter about who invented the chest bump, you know, with the mm-hmm. Brian Brothers having the essay and with these two uh, really reacting to what the Brian Brothers, because the Brian's came later, you know, their greatness yeah. sort of took mm-hmm. off after these two, after the Woodbridges and after the Woodies and all. So it was really nice that they went into these little uh, stylistic idiosyncrasies of that era and. And I found it particularly intriguing that Pace throughout the documentary series, whenever he's speaking, he makes sure to mention that I did so-and-so for uh, someone like Bupati. He was like my younger brother. He kept saying that to almost assert his... uh uh, assert his dominance over the narrative in the fact that that whole alpha male sort of saying i was the star when when i chose bhupati who out of the wilderness and it's because of me he reached a certain level i took a pay cut for him and i did this so and so for him and then this is why we became world beaters so i'm the one who deserves credit for the lee hesh sort of origin story and and for the eventual legacy uh, so I, I, and at the same time, when when you know he's talking about the spats later, uh, the conflicts later, uh, you see him slightly back off a little and say that you know uh, I didn't see the kind of gratefulness that I may sh- should have deserved for what I did for Bhupati. and so much. So much of the problems that, you know, weren't spelt out in the documentary, we could see in the way these two were, say, talking about those problems, talking about the phases in 2001 and 2002, when things got really bitter. Uh, you know, when when it became, when when it almost, they stopped talking off the court totally and started just performing on the court with all the people saying around that, you know, something, some magic happened on the court, but off the court, they were, you know, because of their coaches and because of their families, they were barely talking. I, I found it really intriguing that uh, they made it, Leander made it a point to keep mentioning that. And at the same time, Bhupati was very aloof about it, saying, you know, that, you uh, that I needed to find my own individualism in the sense that Bhupati was the first Indian to win a Grand Slam eventually, okay. and that went down in the history books. And I love the fact that they probed Pace about it, and the camera stayed on Pace's face a little longer during those phases in the interview uh, okay. to 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 sort of gorge a reaction out of him because, of course, they were the first Indian pair to win it together. But Bhupati won it in mixed doubles before uh, before Pace, and that that really kicked off the tension in the documentary's oh. narrative also and i like that perception that both the tiwaris have like they they really understand where it started where it sort of peaked at the crest and trough of it and how it sort of eventually turned into this national uh, uh sort of uh, you know national divorce of, of sorts almost and uh, Th- that understanding of the relationship was very apparent in the way they went about the seven episodes. Because, you know, watching seven episodes is a stretch by all accounts, you know. Uh, especially if it's like an Indian film about uh, uh, something that we've heard ten times before. But mm. uh, I just thought there was a very, you know, the, it it wasn't like a knockoff job as such. It wasn't like just telling us what we already know. There was a nice psychological sort of depth to the way the interview sort of uh, panned out and uh, yeah and that's that's i guess what we were that's why it didn't matter to me how much they covered off the relationship i remember you asking me a couple of days ago okay, did they go on till only 2006 or did we go on till later in their narrative Uh, um, and, you know, it hadn't occurred to me till you asked me, till where the documentary stopped, basically, uh, till the Asia, you know, whatever, the Asian games and all, so I I found that really fascinating that it did not uh, I started looking at the documentary for what it included rather than what it excluded and normally we know that what documentaries exclude tends to be uh, far more jarring uh, in a lot of cases like this but here I didn't really feel that
1: uh that's a very interesting point because it didn't i mean i i i only uh, sort of uh, uh, asked you also about that because i i remembered that they had that reunion and they reached one grand slam final i think which they lost in 2011 when they reunited and uh, But uh, I I think this is a measure of how uh, confident the directors were of their narrative that they can leave out like uh, a factually important thing, but perhaps not like a dramatically important thing. Uh, And uh, that uh, they would be confident that viewers wouldn't... uh, you know, wouldn't complain about it. And and I don't feel like, you know, things were left out. Maybe at the end they could have put like a bit of on-screen text saying that whatever, one more Grand Slam yeah. final was there and all, but uh, it didn't seem like it was necessary for the story. That seemed to come come full circle. Uh, just talking about, you, you mentioned like how Mahesh was the, the first Indian to win a Grand Slam when he won the mixed doubles. Uh, and that was in '97, yeah. and uh, it's it's interesting because uh, again, uh, this and you know we were saying that not many things are new, perhaps to uh, to tennis fans in this series. Just the fact that like there were small underlying tensions even before Pays and Bhupati were like really a thing uh, is perhaps news. I mean, it was news to me for sure i didn't even know that there were big tensions in the in in their biggest year which was 99 yeah. so their breakup came of course it's like a huge shock uh, later uh, but uh, to you know to think that even as far back as 97 you know uh, bhupathi is saying that you know i didn't really i i heard that pays was not uh, was feeling jealous and uh, and, you know, the first time I noticed there's some rivalry there and pays is defensively saying, you know, why would I feel bad? I was delighted for him. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just interesting um, uh, to, to note how early on in the whole thing, uh, the seeds of discontent were kind of there. And uh, so when things became crazier, Actually, in hindsight, it's not surprising that they would sort of break apart when things kind of, you know, when the stakes were raised a lot uh, that, you know, if there were already tensions, perhaps it it was sort of uh, tragically inevitable that Mm -hmm. they would break apart when uh, uh, things became a lot crazier in their careers.
0: Yeah, I, even, I mean, it was news to me too, for sure. As I said, I, I wasn't really following much of them back in the 90s either. Uh, but even knowing a lot of stuff they achieved in hindsight, I I mean, it's, it's surprising to, I think, a lot of us that 99 was their most testing year off the court also. And that's where uh, shit really went down. Uh, and that's when, you know, the whole thing started. The whole breakup and reunion and breakup and reunion sort of all... Uh, that, that's when the whole uh, sort of narrative really took off, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was news to me, and I like the fact that the the documentary series really sort of um, just focuses on their sort of so almost their indecision uh, when it comes to each other, when it uh, their regrets almost when it comes to each other, uh, um, I, I, rather than you know really focusing on the specifics of when they separated and how they mm. got back together or why they got back together one more time later. And, uh, you know, I, I really found it fascinating that they got into what was uh, treated as tabloid gossip back then where, you know, uh, where, where, where the Bhupati camp accused Pace of throwing away the medal match, the bronze right. match in 2004, which I remember was a big deal uh, because it was, I think, my first or second day in Bombay. So I, I remembered actively following the Athens Olympics in 2004 and really rooting for Bhupati and Pace, knowing that they actually weren't playing together otherwise, but they got together for the Olympics and they are too good to not win a medal. So the bronze was the least of our... Uh, it was exactly. like the minimum we expected that year. And when... I do remember, you know, snippets of the match that they lost eventually. Like first of all, the semifinals and then the bronze medal match. And I knew the dirt that was flung for the next couple of weeks after that. And uh, I found it really fascinating that even now, uh, Bhupati doesn't really totally pull away when asked the question, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and same with his father, who is who's clearly, you can sense that he's, you know, more of the mold of the Agassiz fathers uh, of your. And uh, you you can almost sense that he's dying to say something on camera, but Dupati will be like, uh, you know, please shut up there. 20 years have passed. But it's so, (laughs) I love that they leave it ambiguous. They are not backing off even 20 years later. And then you get such a good idea of why um, they chose to throw away all that, all the potential, all the records that were there for their taking, especially at the turn of the millennium, because a a, a lot of the great double spares. In, in men's tennis came uh, you know towards the middle of that decade so bupati and Pace actually had four or five clean years before that to actually sweep a lot of titles the way the way uh, even men's singles tennis went through that that emptiness yeah. between yeah. the era and the federal era there was a UED dominating tennis so you can imagine how <laughs> right. standards were so that's yeah. what I think doubles tennis was. Even men's doubles were going through the same thing. The Woodies had separated. Uh, the Bryans were very young, uh, you know, and a lot of them were still uh, yet to stamp a legacy and, sort. and that is why it hurts a lot of people, including Pace and Bhupati themselves, that they did not capitalize on those years between 98 and 2005, which were the empty years, so to say. They could have easily won a good 10 Grand Slams. Uh, you know, 10 titles in those years and including a couple of Olympic medals. And and that didn't happen. And that's why you, that's why it's very important to give viewers context in terms of where the sport stood also. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of, that, that I found was obviously lacking in the documentary where tennis stood at that point of time and how important it was for them to really uh, join forces and stay reunited but then again you know that uh, at the at the same time you can look at it as something that only tennis purists you know get off to uh, and and it's only something we recognized in in recognize in hindsight because uh, a lot of people will say oh Fedra won his first three or four or five or six grand slams when nobody else was there to challenge mm-hmm. him and then nadal came on but the fact is that because someone like Fedra was beating everyone it felt like there was no one else so it was the same for Pace and Bhupati. It was the same for a lot of surprise winners back at the turn of the millennium when it came to doubles, uh, when it came to doubles. And that that was the context that I have liked a little more from the documentary.
1: I uh, I would have also liked a little more broader context uh, on, on that because... Uh, and I think that could have been supplied fairly easily, even if the you know they 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 have like a lot of good talking heads. Uh, they 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 have the Woodies and Brand brothers. They also have Martina Hingis there, uh, though they hardly make any, uh, yes. uh, though they hardly make any use of that. So I think it's a bit of a waste of Martina Hingis, yes. uh, but uh, she's also there and. Uh, both pace and Bhupati are excellent when they are uh, when they are analyzing their past matches. Uh, those were some of the most enjoyable moments for me actually when they are talking about certain points uh, or certain games. You know when when things were tense. Uh, the the Jeff Durango and uh, Ivanisevic um, yeah. uh, pairing when they uh, beat them. I think um, French Open. I think it was ninety nine. Uh, may, uh, either French open or uh, Wimbledon. I think probably French open because I don't think they would have beaten Havana at Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that match, uh, I think uh, it's pays who describes their their strategy in terms of Muhammad Ali. Uh, yeah. And uh, I thought that was really fascinating. And uh, Bhupati talks about how Ivanisevic, they were hoping that, you know, he wouldn't move around much because he has big serve but not really a doubles player and doesn't have that movement. But he said on that day, he moved around a lot. So it became tougher for us. So these little uh, uh, nuggets, I thought, were excellent. Uh, The broader context, of course, uh, missing a little bit. Um, Also, I I thought they could have just... um, Talked a little bit more about doubles tennis and what makes that uh, particular because India has had uh, had doubles successful doubles teams before. Pays and Bopati also, and uh, it's um, uh, it it would have been interesting to kind of have some uh, honest talk about why uh, we didn't really like pays probably did not have much of a hope of being a top 50 singles player, but uh, could have, and and I mean, could have with Mahesh Bhopati ruled the doubles world for many, many years. And in general, he did rule the doubles world, though, with a bunch of partners for yeah. for like over a decade, really. So I, that would have been interesting to me, uh, just giving that little context of, you know, what makes a doubles team.
0: Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's, uh, again, that's, you know, that's such a, uh, there's a general perception, uh, 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 you know, over the years. Of course, Indians have done very well in doubles over the years, the last 20 years, especially ever since Bupati and Pace sort of broke out and sort of really, uh, um, you know, uh, cleared a path for a lot of them. But that that's the thing. There's a general perception that those who can, those who are not good enough to play singles, turn to doubles. A bit like filmmakers and film critics, almost, uh, which is of course a flawed perception uh, of any sport. For me, doubles is an entirely different sport. That it's called tennis is incidental because uh, because uh, it include it features a totally different psychological. Uh, a bunch of traits that you require for singles same for skill set uh, the only similarity is that it's played on a tennis court because it's first of all it's not as lonely as singles it needs an entirely different uh, body uh, uh, per se and maybe that's why we see uh, we saw a lot of in, uh, we see a lot of indians eventually turning to doubles because it's first of all it's not as training on your body which is which is the very obvious uh, which is very obvious from anyone who watches tennis. They can figure that out the first. But uh, it, it also, it's it's sort of a callback call to a very old-school uh, style of tennis because the serve and volley, as you know, has been dead in singles for a good 15 years ever since the courts have become slower and slower uh, yeah. all over the world. But in doubles, you have no choice but to serve and volley, but to play at the net, but to be great net players and have great instincts at the net, have, have those very classical traits that uh, we associate with old-school tennis, with good tennis players. And that's why Pace became such a superstar in the tennis world globally. You know, you even if yeah. you hear the Bryans talk about him, the Woodies talk about him, Sanya Mirza and Rohan Bopanna talk about him in the documentary, they yeah. speak of the guy with such awe, oh, first of all, because he is self-taught, belly trained, And secondly, because he came with that skill set at the net, which is so attractive to see, which is also, you know, missing in tennis for so long that we've forgotten how it looks like. So when we see doubles players really bring it to the court, even now after all these years, it really is a very lovely little sort of almost dose of nostalgia, but without really patronising the game itself. And I I felt like uh, Pace really brought out uh, brought that that his unpredictability on court and his uh, his crazy instincts at the net and his, the way he he sort of really reacted to balls coming to him, he would always choose the second or the third reaction rather than the most traditional reaction to a shot or to a volley, to a uh, to a sort of passing shot down the line. And that mm-hmm. was probably the most fascinating aspect of uh, of Pace, which probably also didn't let him have as much success in singles because most... Tennis players become tennis players as singles tennis players. They don't have doubles aspirations. That is something they take to to prolong their career uh, eventually or to win a little more or to achieve a little more success on the circuit. Uh, mm. And to feel a little less lonely at the same time because the fact is you play with a different team and a different partner all the time. So, you you know, you tend to really uh, uh, sort of have a more, more of a sense of community then. But that's the thing. Like, nobody grows up wanting to be a doubles player unless you're, say, growing up with a twin brother like a Brian, you know. Uh, but otherwise, a lot of players from different walks of life come together to become doubles players and somehow uh, join forces. And that... That sense of discovery, that sense of accidental, almost that serendipity about doubles, is what makes it such a compelling uh, aspect of tennis. It's almost like a different uh, sport within tennis itself, and that's what even I. That's why even I like watching doubles matches even now after all these years, because it renders the court. Uh, it, it renders the court absolutely irrelevant the surface is irrelevant it, it depends largely on old school skills and that's why people like Pace are revered so much even now down the years despite their personality flaws despite all those ego hassles and and that's why people uh, who who I now watch tennis with a lot of singles tennis with a lot of Indian tennis fans swear by Pace and they worship him even today he's in his mid 40s almost and he still plays professional tennis every now and then and that, and that's the thing that a lot of them have posters of his 90s exploits and of his uh, you know of his brilliance back then and which i find very, you know so revealing about uh, what someone like him brings to the table i wanted to ask you if uh, if you know of course the interviews make such an important part of documentaries like this because it really defines it. First of all, there's no voiceover in this narrative, which is a big plus uh, in in this documentary. So uh, of course, the interviews then define the direction it takes, and the viewers are supposed to identify a narrative from the interviews. So the questions are so important. And uh, they need to be structured so well and they need to, uh, at the same time, make your subjects feel comfortable and reveal just about enough to make seven episodes out of. Did you also find that decision of Nitesh Tiwari to put his own voice within a lot of interviews a little jarring?
1: Uh I must admit, I didn't notice it too much. I, I, I saw that you wrote about it a couple of times when his voice comes in, it was a little odd because it was just absent throughout the thing so it's uh you just feel like uh you know where, where did that come from because you were not thinking of uh bhupati and Pays as being interviewed really it's almost like they're sort of pouring out their hearts to a therapist or something and uh it, that's just being captured uh and um so yeah, that I, I thought that was a little bit uh, that uh, it didn't strike me as as very jarring, but I I was a bit surprised when in in the one or two times when I I heard Nitesh's questions actually uh, there. Um, wh- what did you uh, what did you feel about the way uh, that it was presented? Because uh, it I, I felt that that was one area in which they didn't really have many ideas as to, and when I'm talking about presented, it's uh, just in terms of like, uh, you know, interview, then another interview, then an interview, then footage, yeah. and then like three more interviews like like that. Uh, what, did you feel like they could have maybe
0: mixed it up somehow? Yeah, I was just going to actually ask you that also, because I felt like it was a little visually flat in that sense, because first of all, tennis is a, I mean, most sports are visual sports, but uh, tennis more than most, you know, you can play around with tennis uh, a little more, first of all, because it doesn't exist in the mainstream culture as much mainstream uh, filmmaking as much very few tennis films over the years, if you've noticed. So documentaries, I believe, because of that, documentary makers who delve into tennis uh, 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 documentaries like this, non-fiction films like this, um, they lack ideas as to how to really represent the sport because we haven't seen enough of it in the fictional space either. Because we've seen too much of other sports in the fictional space, and we only have, say, a Borg versus McEnroe or a very tacky Wimbledon, which was that you know, Kirsten Dunn's film long time ago, uh, mm-hmm. which was made. And there's a Williams film coming out with Will Smith and which is, you know, really heavily tipped and whatnot. But yeah. very few, you know, you can name them on your fingertips over the years. So because of that, I feel like filmmakers, especially homegrown filmmakers, by anyways, tennis is not really a big sport in India even now. Uh, they lack uh, obvious, you know, sort of executional uh, sort of uh, any... Uh, I felt like they lacked energy in that sense. And that's something even I wrote. I, of course, I don't have ideas as to how they could have made it a little more attractive or a little more flowy in that sense. Uh, mm. I, I, At the same time, I admire the fact, the ambition to make it a largely verbose documentary based on entirely on other people's thoughts and footage and interviews and still make it such a watchable documentary. Uh, I thought that was really quite something to pull off which is which is really underrated because so much of it is down to editing and so much of it is down to such precise uh, questioning and such precise filmmaking but at the same time you you know being viewers and being uh, viewers of a sport and view, being viewers of films in general you always hope for a little more extravagance you hope for a little more uh, uh, imagination when it comes to uh, uh, really using the archival footage or maybe when it comes to really uh, um, um, you know, using some of the unseen maybe uh, photos or, idea, uh, or you know, or, or whatever a lot of footage of the previous years so I, I felt like it was a little visually flat in that sense but at the same time I don't think it was a deal breaker for me because again it left so much to our imagination because a lot of it happened behind closed doors a lot of the ego battles a lot of the rivalry a lot of the breakup happened behind closed doors so a lot of it was inherently left to a viewer's imagination and i like the fact that they allowed us to really still build castles in our mind out of what actually happened because you your pace for example uh speak so eloquently and then you You live through his version of events in your head. You paint your own images and then you hear Bhupati's very deadpan sort of delivery. And then you paint a very pragmatic picture of what might have actually happened and Pace is putting masala. So I like the fact that they're pitching personalities against each other rather than actual images and actual, uh, uh, you know, actual sort of tidbits of that time. So in a way, you know, whatever the weakness was in that sense, the way it was presented also turned out to be its strength.
1: Yeah, Bhupati's lack of uh, uh, general um, melodrama was great for the series, I thought, because I think with another partner who was even 50% as emotional as Paze, I think it would have tipped over into uh, sort of sentimentality, or just like over the top drama because pace brings so much emotion uh, by himself, but Bhopati undercuts it so brilliantly, even yeah. in the moments where he is like hurt or still angry after all those years, that it just uh, it it brings it to uh, just about this the correct level of drama. I thought at at uh, all the time, and and I thought the other talking heads were also uh, fairly good. Uh, there, are, uh, I, I can only think of one or two who are, perhaps, you know, not quite necessary. Maybe the childhood friends weren't. Uh, after the first uh, yeah. episode, I think uh, they could have been dropped, maybe because they weren't providing any great context. And when you have Drishik, like, the, yeah. the Woodies and and uh, <laughs> and Hingis and the Bryan brothers, then why do you need like people yeah. who are non-experts talking about important matches? But uh, that, that apart, I, I, I thought uh, the talking heads were really good. Of course, Rohit Brijnath is there, and I, uh, <laughs> I was I was happy to uh, see him there because I think some I remember reading Brijnath pieces on pays and Bhupati yeah. uh, when they were at their peak. So uh, it, it was uh, you know he's someone who's expertly placed to to talk about them. Uh, so those those were all uh, I, I think very, very well handled. Um, well chosen uh, people uh, by the directors I thought the score was very annoying uh, <laughs> since <laughs> uh, no surprise yeah no
0: it. surprise there, though. <laughs> but
1: uh, incredibly annoying either they had like that VP piano thing going yeah. on or they had that electric guitar which was uh, uh, just overused and uh, pushy in a way that the series really wasn't so yeah. that uh, I wish they hadn't really done that. But, uh, you know, it's okay. Uh, they, uh, I can easily take that.
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it could have been worse because, you know, they obviously, uh, Nitesh Sivari comes from a background of really pushing that background score, especially <laughs> yeah. in uh, his very uh, big hit films that he's made so far. So, yeah, I mean, there, there were unnecessary riffs. As I mentioned, there were like only two emotions. Basically, the background score was very simplistic. Yeah. Uh, but, again, you know, it feels like they're scoring the emotions of, like, millions of, like, Indian viewers that actually went through the era and are maybe looking back on the documentary series uh, with some degree of nostalgia. So, so I got, yeah. like, these are necessary evils. I'd say they aren't even necessary. They are mostly evils. But, uh, um, but again, you know, it, uh, for me, that really wasn't as uh, distracting as it could have been. for Because, as you know, it's a pet peeve for both of us, especially. Yeah a lot of sports films we watch over the years and the background score acting like it's a part of a screenplay is a big, big problem. But um, but yeah, overall I really like that they built up to that last moment of them sort of really meeting on the tennis court and doing that very lame chest bump in the end. Uh, of course very sentimental, very Indian but you know, it's the least I deserved after expecting them to be in the same room throughout, you know, <laughs> throughout so, the uh, documentary. Yeah, I, uh, I I, I think I'm, <laughs> i
1: i am i'm quite uh, embarrassed to admit that i was very uh, i was very pumped up by that last chess bump yeah totally i, I was like this is this is great this is a fantastic <laughs> moment uh, and um, it's a i mean it's it's a, it's so manipulative obviously because uh, you can see uh, Nitesh and Ashini Tiwari like thinking at the start that, oh shit, I <laughs> hope we can do that at the end. Like I hope they, you know, we can build to some kind of uh, uh, a consensus between the two guys that uh, things will be okay enough to do that. But it's sort of, it's such a thing also that, you know, I don't know if I even buy that they are in a place that they would be pally enough to do that. Yeah. But the but Indian tennis fans who thought that Peis and Muuppati were gonna go on to rule uh, uh, doubles tennis uh, for a long time and were rudely shocked when after their best year there was nothing. Uh, they deserve that. Yeah. They deserve that moment, uh, you know, all these years later. And I, th- I thought that moment was more for them maybe than even for pays and Bhupati. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you're right about the fact that, you know, they may not have been as invested in doing something like that as, say, we wanted them to be. Uh, but yeah, like, before we wrap up, it's a good time to speak about how, say, when it comes to a mainstream sports documentary series like this, which on its own is a rarity, genre-wise and undertaking-wise. So, um when it comes to a series like this, where the main sort of, where the core, the fundamental core of the narrative lies in how these two uh, have separated and cannot stand each other and have had their most public spats over the years play out in media, play out in all sorts of, you know, uh, with all sorts of publicity and and a lot of bitterness. Uh, when you're actually making a documentary like that and, you know, representing them as both individuals speaking about it in different locations in different rooms, uh, probably interviewed by different directors for, you know, um, how I found it a little disappointing that I was already aware of the fact that they were doing publicity interviews for the documentary together in the sense that really dilutes your expectations of the documentary, because then I know they are going to come together at the end of the documentary. Then I know that they will sort of maybe do something like a lame chest bump because they've already been giving interviews to okay. like different media publications, different uh, as part of publicity for the series. So when you see them treating it as a commercial undertaking like a series like this as a commercial undertaking which of course has to be done because it's directed by two big directors and it's it's technically bollywood but it's not uh, so to see them go about the post film publicity pre film pre release publicity the way most other stars do and you know then in the process paint themselves as fictional characters who are probably playing a part in the documentary yeah. How Uh do you find that? Do you find that? Like, I found it a little disappointing. Not disappointing, but it was, it spoiled the ending for me. Because then I know that they're going to come together. Then I know that this is more, a lot of it is posturing at the same time. And they can probably stand in the same room together without killing each other. The thing is, they really uh, built up that emotion through the seven episodes. And then they laid it on you. But then by then, you're already aware that they've done it already before the documentary released.
1: I agree with you completely, and uh, I think that's a nice way of putting it. That uh, the whole the idea that they are they are doing that publicity together and they're offering interviews to whoever will take it uh, is uh, sort of an indication that they are playing characters, or at least we can suspect that they are playing characters uh, in a way, uh, even though it's themselves uh, in the series and uh, yeah I, I and that's i think why I, uh, why i felt that the the final chest bump perhaps means more to the people who watched pays and bhupati than to pays and bhupati themselves because uh, to me that uh, felt a little bit like something like a good ending that someone thought of rather than something very organic uh, especially coming the way it did in the series because they're uh, kind of talking about uh, how they're growing apart until like well into the final episode mm-hmm. and then things kind of suddenly turn in the last uh, 10 minutes mm-hmm. uh, not entirely convincingly yeah. Uh, so yeah in that sense I think the the uh, the pre release uh, work which they did and and the people who were and the directors and and the and uh, z5 did perhaps lacked the the dignity mm-hmm. and the the intelligence that the series itself had mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like presenting a breakup in a way that is uh, sort of uh, measured, dignified, but also like doesn't evade the questions mm-hmm. uh, whereas you know the the the, the way that uh, they did the publicity throws it into doubt a little bit about how yeah. you know how ex- how sincere the ending was at least
0: yeah, yeah, totally um it it lacked that awareness of that uh, exactly as you said as that the documentary had and I guess part and parcel of sort of really, featuring big names as far as the makers are concerned, going on a mainstream streaming platform. Um, I mean, these are, of course, in, in the larger scheme of things, these things can be forgiven, but it, it's it's only fair to point out because, you know, we are very invested in a documentary like this, but then to watch it with a, a, a prior understanding of the fact that they they already are together in a sense in, in terms of the project is a little uh, weird you know, at least uh, uh, that can be said about it. Uh, Is there anything else uh, you want to touch upon as far as the documentary series is concerned? Because, uh, yeah, I think it's been a fairly thorough sort of discussion.
1: No, can't can't really uh, think of anything else except that uh, it was a pleasant surprise. Uh, Going into it, I really did not expect it to be very good. Uh, So it was completely above my expectations. And I hope we see more uh, uh, sports documentaries because at least Hindi cinema seems incapable of making good sports uh, fiction features. Yeah. Uh, uh, So they may as well uh, make some documentaries if, if they do that better.
0: Yeah, totally. I hope we see more of this. And I'll hold you at gunpoint if you say that the Sachin documentary is part of this ecosystem. <laughs> uh, I, I i know it's your i know it's a weak point and i think uh, we we deserve an entirely different podcast to discuss that documentary one day and our experience of watching it together and watching you go all vp and and rahul in the review also so uh, <laughs> one, one day we will discuss that and uh, uh, we'll we'll will uh, of course taking a larger pivot of sports documentaries here but yeah uh, that was uh, that was a fun discussion and uh, uh, thanks uh, Uday for joining me we'll uh, we'll be back soon a bunch of releases in, in the coming month uh, till Diwali until after Diwali uh, hopefully me Uday and hopefully Tanul at some point will join us uh, in the future uh, so thanks for listening and do watch the documentary series it's streaming on Z5 uh, you can read Uday's review uh, in Mint uh, in on the website and my review on Film Companion um, uh, do write to us if you have any suggestion and uh, we'll be back soon